Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Promise, and you're listening to Dare Prayer Morning Bible Study. We're, we're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, Kyla, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we thank you for being in our midst and teaching us your Word and instructing us in the ways that we should go, God. We're grateful that you're a God that doesn't hide from us but you reveal yourself to us and make yourself known to us. That way we can follow you, God, and clearly understand what you're saying to us. Lord, I ask that you keep our listeners and our partners, God, and that you encourage them and strengthen their family bond, their family bonds, God. In your name of Jesus, amen. 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 All right, well, we're continuing our study in 1 Corinthians. We're still in chapter 1, and... Uh, Today we're going to pick it up from verse 18. So, could I get a volunteer to read from verse 18 through 25, please? I will. Okay, Layla. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. So, I will open the floor to you guys first to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you. And ask any questions that you have so that way we can all learn and grow together okay okay who would like to begin i like um paul's comparison in this last verse where he said um that the foolishness of god is wiser than men and the weakness is weakness of god is stronger than men and you just think about it when you say the word weakness you um when you think about it in a We'll say like on a race is your first, second, and third place, right? And you've got your strong runners and your mediocre runners, and then you have your weak runners that can get maybe five feet. Um, when you say weakness, you're thinking of someone in a lower bracket, somebody of lesser quality or strength than something being compared, right? If I said I was weaker than LaCharles, that means his strength surpasses mine. But when Paul says that the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men, that's uh, pretty amazing Like uh-huh. to think of it like that. At first it sounded a little bit backwards. I say, wait, but God's not weak, which he isn't. 
But if you wanted to put it in humanistic terms and wanted to say he was weak, well, then his weakness would surpass our strength. If, in fact, he was weak, wouldn't we be God? But we're not because he is wiser. And Paul asked that question. He said, who is the wise? Who is truly understanding of what's going on in the world and in the spiritual matters? Who can really make a judgment and discern those things except by the Holy Spirit? Oh, but wait. If God is weaker, you can't have the Holy Spirit. So then how is there a wise? Who is there that has understanding? We would be lacking, right? We would be foolish, which you technically are until you accept Christ as your Savior. And I was in that point at one one time or another in my life but as you grow and mature so does your understanding and wisdom of God's um, principles the way he works there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom knowledge is info and then you have wisdom which is the correct application of said info at the correct time in which it can be applied so there's a difference. We can have all this head knowledge about God, but not understand a thing, not have wisdom in anything of what he's working except through him. So we just have to come through that that way um, and just, uh, like, you know, bring yourself in check, as you and dad like to say, um, get into alignment with that and remember that he is God. He there's no way you can pass him. Amen. So do you think when he's referenced, uh, when the Apostle Paul is referencing the, the foolishness of God, do you, th- and the, what is what we would call the weakness of God or what seems like it would be a lacking point in God. Do you think he's talking about the life of Jesus as he lived it in a, in a human body and the death that he suffered on the cross and, that being the means of which we can obtain salvation. Because verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the the very way, do you think the the way that God chose to bring that about is maybe what he's talking about, at least one Mm -hmm. of the things he's talking about here? Because, I mean, which of us... And our quest for power would go, we're going to give up our power uh, to take it up again. We'd go, no, don't ever let go of the power and get more power. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the way you do things. But God is the power. So he's not getting power. It's already, his. It's already a part of him. He already has it. I think we referenced um, earlier in the week that all things are upheld by the word of God's power. So he's not trying to obtain it. That's why it's easy for him to go, I can take this route. And the method that he chooses is able to stump everything that human or, and especially in particular, the enemy can come up with. What else? What I found interesting was verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are saved, or being saved, it is the power of God. Um, I believe we talked about it on the, this 
topic before on the podcast, how we're supposed to be the, as believers, we're supposed to be carry the aroma of God and to be the light. And I know you've said it to us before, Mommy, but to those people that are going towards death, we smell of death. And at the time, I didn't really understand that. Like, how can we emulate God but still bring that, carry it, that fragrance for them? But it's, they're going, even if people don't acknowledge it, they still know what's right and what's wrong. They still have that personal accountability and responsibility. And the Lord wouldn't hold them responsible if they did not have the ability to know the truth. Um, so there's that, but also... For the people that are dying, they're perishing, we have that aroma because they've made the mistake of not choosing Christ while they were living. And the Lord gives everyone a chance to choose Christ. There's not one individual that can say, the Lord didn't give me that opportunity. And before we've mentioned the example of George Stormont, I believe, and he hopped on the buggy. He had to, to sit out there. The Lord told him to sit out there. Smith. Smith. Oh, I'm sorry. Smith Wigglesworth. He was told to sit out there, and he was waiting for this guy to come along. And then he hopped up on the buggy, and he told the guy who told him to get off his buggy at first. But then he said no and proceeded to preach the gospel to him. And the gentleman that received the gospel later ended up dying. But for him, it wasn't the fragrance of death but it was of hope and light and it's only the fragrance of death when you choose to blatantly not accept God and to welcome him in it's kind of like if I'm doing something wrong and then somebody says they could be talking to somebody totally different telling them they're doing something wrong like you don't say that they don't know if I'm doing anything wrong but even if they're talking to somebody else and they're telling them, correcting someone else about doing something wrong, I'm like, don't say that because I know I'm doing something wrong. And it's like being called out. So you get offended by the sound of it, even though, and you feel condemned. Yes. Or convicted, actually. You feel convicted, even though no one is presently addressing you. Yes. Okay. Uh, what's the why, though? Because I know what's right and i chose not to do it okay and mm-hmm. and whose work or whose job is that it's to do what's right or why you're convicted it's the job of the holy spirit exactly and that's identified and and stated very plainly in john the gospel of john 16 the the first 15 verses 16 verses 15 but then especially verse 8 says, And when he, that is the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's not our job. That's the job and part of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I'll say it in this way. We should be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we're diffusing the fragrant aroma of Christ, 
we are really diffusing the fragrant aroma of the Lord, which is the Holy Spirit, through the world, right? And who is the Holy Spirit? God, uh, uh, God yes. But then we, we've talked about multiple things, right? Layla brought them up. Strength and wisdom and all, right? So if we go to Isaiah 11, verse 2, it is literally talking about the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of the Lord. He is the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Everything that you were discussing, Layla, however we have been discussing here this morning, is all wrapped up in the Holy Spirit, who is part of the Godhead. Absolutely. So, He is what is being diffused by us throughout the entirety of the earth. Does that, does that make sense to everybody? Yes. Okay. On the scripture you were referencing, Kyla, Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 14 through uh, 16. So. But then also to, to build on that, right? With the Holy Spirit and, and just with us, with people in here, it talks about since in the wisdom is verse 21, 1 Corinthians 1, 21. Since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You know, we, we've talked, uh, um, I know it's something you and I honey, have, have discussed for a long time. And um, it, part of it has to do with our confession, right? And part of it has, has to do with how we live. And if we look at this in light, this especially this verse, in light of Romans, right, 10, 10 through 17, we have a, I'll say a little process, as it were. You can see the the wisdom of God and, and the intricacy and then the complexity of him, right? Because we first have to hear. So as it pertains to hearing, when you hear different, you know or understand differently. And when you know or understand differently, you then think differently. When you think differently, you believe differently. And when you believe differently, you speak differently. Now, when you speak differently, you will live or do differently. But also, it brings us right back around, full circle, to hearing differently, which, at the core, is how faith comes or arises. So as we go back to the message of the cross being foolishness, what has Paul been doing this entire time? Missionary journeys and all the rest of it. He is teaching and preaching so that people can hear differently in the message that he was first taught by the Lord through the Holy Spirit and being brought out into the wilderness and, and taught and it, it caused or forced him. I think caused is probably the better descriptor there, but it caused Paul 
to really question some of the things he'd been taught before. And in the Lord teaching him, he heard things in a whole new light and way, which is why we see him here at this place where he can correct and address misperceptions, misconceptions of the word. Where, because let's not forget, this is a continuation of addressing the the issue, the the although I'll say it in this way, the issue within the church of divisions and why and where they're coming from and and all those things so that we can deal with them in our lives. And and for this is talking about or to the people in Corinth, but this still applies to us today. How many, I'll say churches, and we were talking about this yesterday, how many divisions are there, with it, are there within the church today? Whether it's denominations, whether it's different groups of people within the, the four church walls of whatever church you attend, and just within the body of Christ as a whole. So this is still applicable to us today. And it begins with me, each and every, or me and you, and each and every one of us individually. We have to bring things right and in alignment with the Lord and His Word. Uproot things from our lives that don't reflect Christ and His nature and His character and His attributes. And replace it with Him, His Word, truth in our lives. So we can do things, live it out differently and by differently I mean in accordance with what the Lord intended and purposed for it to be from the beginning which was shown to us in the pattern and example set forth in Christ does that make sense to everyone yes, yes. Are there any questions on it no okay anything else anyone else would like to share yes okay well let's hear it sir I would like to bring up verse 19, where it says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That was, The Lord was just showing me that is, there's, he doesn't have a problem with you being wise and having natural knowledge of events and stuff like that, but it becomes a problem when that's all you think about, and that's what you worship, essentially. How you think you're so much better than the Lord and that you can outsmart him and saying, oh, no, Lord, I'm too smart. You just sit over here. I'll get you out when I need you. That's when it becomes a problem. The Lord created knowledge and all this stuff around us for us to learn from it, but not to hold it in such a place where it puts God on the back burner. That should be on the back burner, and God should be foremost because with God comes all this knowledge. He created everything. He knows exactly what happened. That just reminds me of Job when he was asking Job, where were you when I created all this stuff? How we seek so much to know all the information, but we fail to go to the greatest source who knows everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you, son. Absolutely. And then even to build on that, right? First John tells us that not all wisdom is from above, is divine. But there is, 
our earthly, sensual, and demonic wisdom, which who's gonna, who is going to let us know which is which? The Lord. The Lord through his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, again, we need, absolutely need the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life to reveal things to us and give us discernment so that we're not, I'll say, fooled or duped or, right, but we know truth. Got something promise? Yes. Okay, let's hear it. Lush bringing to my attention, um, verse 20, verse 19 through 20. It's kind of, of what you and Bubby talked about. Where it says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Well, yeah, we'll read. Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And the Lord was also showing me James. Lord is also showing me James three thirteen, where it says, "Who is wise and and un- understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Oh. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Or where envy." And self-seeking exists. Confusion and every evil thing are every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to you, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hip- hypocrisy. Wait, yeah, partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit fruit of the righteous is sown in peace by those who make peace. Thank you, sir. And also, yes, you were correct. It was James and not First John. First John tells us to test the spirits, so which still applies. But thank you for correcting me and, and giving people the accurate scripture. James talks about wisdom and that there are different types. Not all of it is from above, but... Some is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So thank you. You're welcome. Now, continue with your thoughts, sir, or what the Holy Spirit's ministering to you. And that one says, the wisdom of the wise, it doesn't, it means that, not that the Lord's good. Wisdom is a gift from the Lord. It's uh-huh. not heavenly wisdom, not demonic and sensual wisdom. Yes. But that the Lord gives heavenly wisdom to a person, but it's not when it says, I would destroy the wisdom of the wise. It's the Lord's not taking back the heavenly wisdom. It's like with, for example, Dave, David and I forgot what the guy's name was. Who was he? What did he do? He was counseling Absalom. Oh, okay. Shay, 
I think it was Abishai. Are you talking about when David fled the city, when um, Absalom was going to take over, and he left one of his counselors behind to um, confound the uh, wisdom? Yes. Of Is that what you're talking about? Ahithophel. Ahithophel, that's was, the one. was a conspirator with Yes. Turned his wisdom into foolishness. Exactly. That was Ahithophel. Uh, like with Ahithophel. Ahithophel's wisdom wasn't heavenly wisdom. Well, at least not in that time. Because it's indicative that it probably was at one time before because David relied heavily on him. In fact, it's, it's said in there that the land relied on him as if it was divine wisdom. Didn't it, didn't it mention that in there about that? that yes. It yeah. sure does. But that's the challenge sometimes when we get puffed up in what God has given us because he has given us wisdom. And then we apply that with our own wisdom, but yet try to say it's God's wisdom. Mm-hmm. How's it? You have something on Charles or Kyla? Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like what the boys brought up in verse nineteen. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Tower of Babel. How they thought in all their self righteousness and wisdom, they're going to build a tower to get to God and to get to heaven and pave their own way. But the Lord said, told them no, and He confused their language and made it foolishness. So they couldn't understand each other and they couldn't stay together in that one place because they weren't following the commandment to go multiply and subdue the earth. Mm-hmm. And you could categorize it under being self-willed. Yes. They had so much pride in and of themselves that they became dumb. And you kind of see that in modern times. Like doctors, they're so, and scientists, they think they're so wise they do dumb stuff now. Okay. And I understand what you're saying. So like the Tower of Babel, if we know now that there is an atmosphere above us, when you get to mountain levels, the air gets really thin and it becomes hard to bleed, hard to breathe. Your blood starts to change. Yes. And as you continue to get up, there's less and less oxygen available, which we need to, to consume. Survive. And then... If you were to somehow make it through that heat and all of that, then there's outer space. And then what are you going to do out there? So even in God confounding their language to keep them from in continuing in what they had already engaged or conspired to do, he was still offering them preservation. Yes. Because had they continued to build up there, surely many died. would have perished just because of what's naturally up there. Now, I mean, they could have stopped to come up with technology to breathe in such a thin atmosphere, but what's the likelihood, you know, especially if God came to intervene, were they really going to build their tower to heaven, to God, to his throne? No. no. And even if they had somehow tried to make it there, the mere sight of his glory would have killed them. As he told the, when they were talking about the mountain that shouldn't be touched, he said, Go talk to these priests, Moses, to make sure they don't break through and try to run up and see the glory of God and perish. So there again, his mercy in going, let me confuse your language because you're thinking of a certain portion of this, but you haven't considered all of it because human wisdom is absolutely foolishness, especially when compared with godly wisdom. 
to even think, hey, the air might be different up there, especially we're used to being in this kind of environment now where it's colder, it's thinner, our blood is changing. But all we're thinking about is doing what we want to do, which is often limited in its sight and um, being carried out. So, yep. As you mentioned, the glory of the Lord, um, I think it was last week I was doing some studying and I just, um, I don't know if I read it, I was just thinking about it, but where the, uh, talk about the glory of God and the, in the, um, how his robe, the glory of his robe fills the temple, mm -hmm. right? Oh. In heaven. And so I was like, I, I got to thinking about that and went, well, gosh, well, if it filled up the whole area where they were, there wouldn't be room for anybody else. You know, what were they trying to say here? And so it got digging into, you know, some of the words and, and back in the original text. And what I drew from it, so I'm not saying thus says the Lord, but what I drew from it was that the reference there, if you dig into the root words and all, is really the hem of the garment. And so it's basically where, where his robe was hemmed along the bottom. And I contemplated that, and I was like, gosh, well, still. And it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So the hem of the robe, think about, like, if you ever had a pair of, um, like I did when I was younger, I had a pair of bell bottoms and, and the, the hem of the bell bottoms would rub behind my heel. Mm -hmm. And eventually the pants would, would rub out. They would mm -hmm. wear through mm -hmm. and, um, they were always dirty, right? So the hem of the garments, what's gets drugged behind, right? It's mm -hmm. probably, it's probably the least, right? So the hem of God's garment, the dirty part that just rubs on the ground, that is so glorious <laughs> that it fills the temple. It's just, it's oh. incomprehensible to us, the glory mm -hmm. that God possesses. Amen. So, Amen. That's just a little aside. That was, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the least, the least of things, you know, heaven is, it talks about how these elaborate things that people wore and fight over here and deem them as so ultimately precious. God's like, oh, we're walking on that. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> And it's the common thing. Yeah. And it is to him who is, I mean, there's, we don't even have words that compare that would capture his beauty, his magnificence, his majesty, his glory. We can't even fathom who and what he fully is. And that just makes us all the more in awe of God and going, okay, wow. Okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are and the the grace that you've shown us and your compassion and how you deal with us and treat us mm -hmm. when even the, the worn out part, if God were to, were to wear out, which he does not is more than we can behold more than our eyes can take in and fully appreciate without falling down as though dead, you know, before you. And that's still not even the beginnings of who you are, the, the meat of who you are. It's and that's amazing. why we have to really take it to his word and we have to be able to trust so deeply in his word. So as we jump over to verse 23, uh, it's talking about uh, Christ crucified, the preaching of Christ crucified. And the Jews, this became a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. So let's, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this, so we might as well get used to it, right? I'm, I like to dig into the word, right? That's okay. So I'm thinking like a stumbling block. Well, that's not really a big deal, is it? I mean, it's a stumbling block. What, I tripped? I misstepped for a minute? I mean... But I'm uprighted and I'm, I'm, I'm walking along fine again, right? I mean, we say stumble, right? We don't say like fall flat on our face and we're permanently debilitated, right? <laughs> so go digging into the root word of that. And have some fun. Do it yourself. Go dig into it. But it actually, um, the root word of this is, is more along the lines of snare. And in and, and the descriptor, it talks about like a sapling. 
So we've all seen either a cartoon or a movie or something where somebody has stepped into a snare and they are snatched and they are uprighted and turned upside down and trapped and unable to escape from that snare. This is what I think is more representative here. This stumbling block is something that they have hung on to, unwilling to yield in their minds what is being told to them and search out the scriptures and see if these things are so. And so it's not just a stumbling block that you make a misstep over. It is something you become ensnared in, mm-hmm. and your whole world is completely turned upside down against what the truth is that's mm-hmm. against what God's truth is. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, you know, when I, when I heard that, I always imagined something that you couldn't get around, and it was like every time you tried to take a step, there it was, and it made you not able to move forward. And as we look at the Jews today, you're like, they just can't move forward beyond this because there's no life outside of Jesus Christ. And as people designed and purposed to reflect him, to recognize Messiah, for them to ignore him, they're, they're outside of their purpose. And not as in judging them as though they're, you know, somehow more accountable or fallible or anything. God loves them just like he loves us. But because of their purpose, it's something that no matter what direction they turn, because physically you look and you go, what's, what's stopping you? But every time they turn, if you don't, if you deny Christ, you just can't move forward. You just can't move beyond it. You can't go, well, well, anyway, God, we'll talk about something different because no, there he is again. You try to take a step here. It is again, Uh accept Jesus, acknowledge Jesus, or we don't go anywhere. And you know, that's something, a gift that I recognize in my husband. You can't change the subject on him because he will remember and he'll take you right back to where you left off. No, we're going to address this. And there is no higher point, no higher place that we need to come to come to Jesus moment on is coming to Jesus. Take him and then you can move forward. But there's no moving forward in God without Jesus Christ. So we do address the other the other things that are brought up as well. But uh, we, we all address them in light of, no. of that one thing. You're like a dog with a bone, honey. No. Even that, he wasn't going to let sit unclarified See? in that, right? You know? He's just, we're going we're gonna to bring the main point back to the main point. That's it. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be days later. If it comes, he's like, nope, take it right back. And who has a longer memory than our Lord? <laughs> the ancient of days, who has a longer standing point? You know, he doesn't forget. And just like when he talks about dealing with iniquity, it doesn't matter how old we get, how long it's been since we committed that act. If we leave it outside of the blood of Jesus Christ, there it remains. Time doesn't, you don't time out, you don't age out, you don't do any of those things. It stands right there. So, you know, and I I understand that this stumbling block is for their own good, because who are you without Christ? The chosen people of God without God, who are you? You're just people. People. So, we know God wants to bring them in. But us being the wild vine who are grafted in, how much more carefully must we handle that? Amen. Amen. That those that are part of the the original vine. Mm -hmm. So, there will be a time when they will be rejoined to the vine. And we need to hold our place carefully because the true vine, the new vine, the existing vine, right? It's going to be much easier for them to to come back in as opposed to those of us who are grafted in. So. There'll become a time, and thank, thankfully, Absolutely. God's plan is awesome that for now he's chosen that this is the way it should be, which has opened the pathway for us as the Gentiles, as it mm-hmm. were, to come into the family, and mm-hmm. we'll be able to celebrate when our Jewish brothers and sisters come into the fullness Amen. of what God has for them as well. Amen. Oh. So, Mike, 
our kids have heard me say this in our private time. Who are you without Jesus? That's the same standard that we live by. If we are called and predestined and chosen to be saints, if I'm without the one who makes me a saint, what am I? I'm not fulfilling my purpose. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm an empty cloud. I'm a wave foaming up. I'm no different than anybody else who was outside of the purpose that God created them for. So choose life, choose Christ. And I mean, it always just keeps coming back to him. Jesus, 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 choose him. And I also like that he speaks to the Greeks here um, mm -hmm. because they were known to, to want wisdom. We have many writings that we cherish today in, in the English language anyway, where we look at their philosophy yeah. and their ponderances and we hold them in high esteem. And even that God had an answer for you're looking for your wisdom. God made foolishness because that's what mattered to you. The Jews wanted a sign, you know, that's, they were led through coming out of Egypt by what? Signs. He spoke their language. And the Greeks, they spent a lot of time with their um, deities and even, even things like the men of renown where, we get, um, where they get a lot of their mythology from. The giants mixing with angels. I mean, giants, I mean, angels and humans mixing, producing giants who were the Bible calls men of renown. So even in that, and they're writing to the unknown God, which Paul addresses, still God knows how to speak their language. And bring them back and go, mm, no, you thought you understood, but you can understand nothing without me. And so I just appreciate that about God. Amen. Anybody have anything else you want to add? I don't. Okay. Well, let's stop there for today. All right. Uh, so everybody can have time to, to ponder some things the Lord's ministered or speaking to you and and to give everyone time to study it out for themselves, all right? So, with that, can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. Lord, I just thank you for not leaving us marooned on our own wisdom, but giving us a little floaty end so that we can go swim to you and actually come to you. Well, I also just thank you for just providing for us always and showing us how things are done and not throwing a not throwing us out of your grip. In the name of Jesus, Amen. 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 Oh, we love you. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.